Coach, defense is important, but a team also has to score to win. You can have the best defense in the world, but without an offense to match, you won't be winning any championships. Just have a look at what happened during March Madness this year. Three out of four teams that made it to the Final Four on both the women's and men's side were the top three offensive-ranked teams. That's no coincidence. The reality is most coaches will win more games with a 15% improvement on offense. But how? We're bringing in one of the greatest offensive minds in the game and Read and React creator, Coach Rick Torbett, to help answer that question. On May 9th, Rick and I will kick off our four-week offensive strategies track where we will teach coaches how to score 7 to 10 more points per game. Just head to pgccoaching.com forward slash tracks to learn more. Welcome to the Harwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. This week, we dive into current events with Sam and TJ's teams to see if you can relate as a leader and coach as we discuss creating player-led teams, fighting complacency, and pinpointing why your team is struggling. Let's get started. Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle. We got the whole crew today. We got myself, we got Sam, we have Lisa, and we're going to go behind the curtains a little bit. We're going to have a topic called, Can You Relate? We're going to talk about some problems that we're having in season. We just got done with our PGC coaching track where we did in-season support. And it was a lot of fun because oftentimes coaching is done in a silo and it can be really lonely. In our PGC coaching track, we went through and coaches would come on one of our four calls throughout the week and we'd talk issues and problems and we would share and they'd ask for advice and they'd give each other advice. And it was really nice to go through that together because what we realized is so many coaches could relate to what other people were feeling, what they were going through. And so we're going to pull back the curtain on some of our problems and issues that we're having with our teams. Uh, Maybe we had a while ago, maybe we're having right now in the moment. We were talking about this pre-recording and we were all sharing some of the issues we were battling. We're going to kick it off with Sam. And for background on this, Sam coaches two um, you, not, not middle school teams, right? Sam, is that right? Seventh, yeah, seventh, eighth grade team. So he's coaching two teams. Uh, they're in the middle towards the end of their season, actually. And we were talking about some of the issues and problems. I think, man, coaches can really relate to this. We've all been there, we, whether it's, you know, college kids, pro middle school, you know, what doesn't matter? Like we've all been in there in these same problems in coaching a team. So Sam's going to, we'll start with Sam. He's going to define kind of like what they're going through, how they're trying to work through it. Uh, I think it'd be interesting for you to say, gosh, if I was in that scenario, what would I do? What would I do different? And what can I learn from how Sam is handling or maybe the ideas we would give Sam? So Sam, kick us off. Tell us what's going on, where you're headed, maybe pose some questions of things that, gosh, what should I do in this situation? What you've done well and what's puzzling you that you might want to be able to do better yeah appreciate it yeah excited to talk about this and hopefully what i am experiencing you know others can learn from so yesterday i was telling you guys pre pre pre-recording you know we lost both our games to kind of our top opponent and rival and they just weren't good losses because number one we lost and two these are our top opponents. And, you know, you feel like you're progressing this time. Or I felt like our teams were kind of turned the corner and continue to grow and get better. And we were making the necessary improvements. And then you lose a game and you see a lot of those things that you thought were going well, they don't, they didn't go well. And so you, you lose. And then I typically, Lisa and TJ, like I have a pretty good vision and clarity on things on, 
on the pulse of the team and different things we need to do better and all that. And I walked out of yesterday's game and hadn't watched film yet at the time and knew that sometimes our feelings are not facts. But my feeling was, dang, what? I don't know. What, what are we doing wrong? What do we need to get better? Or do we need to make adjustments on offense? So one of our teams, our, 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 one of our top players, you know, scored three points and wasn't aggressive and didn't play, you know, with a, with a confidence out there. And then our other team, we had like five different things going on. So there wasn't one thing I could pinpoint. And so it's just like, what is your thing? And what is my, what do our teams need as we go down this home stretch? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's sometimes, you know, like we teach in our PGC coaching, like sometimes it's systems and strategy. Sometimes, you know, it's leadership. Sometimes it's culture stuff. Uh, sometimes it's just, you know, it, it, the players need to develop and get better, whether it's in their IQ, whether it's in uh, their decision making, whether it's in their actual skills. And as coaches, we're all doing this. We're trying to figure out how do we make the next right decision? And it's a difficult one because there's oftentimes a plethora of choices. It could be in all of those categories. Are we doubling down on culture or is it a system and strategies issue? And, you know, I think our natural instinct, which is probably usually a problem is we try and fix everything and we don't really actually get better at those couple things. I'm, I'm in a similar place right now. You know, we're going down the stretch run. We've been in a good little groove seven in, in a row, but there's some issues we got. And, and I'm trying not to let those things like winning mask those issues, I'm trying to figure out how do we avoid uh, the pitfalls of, of getting comfortable and complacency. But it is something really, you know, it's, I'm curious, Sam, as you went through that, what is your process? So you go to these two games, you, you go through these two tough losses. And let me add a three-part question. First, like, what were you feeling going into the games? Okay. So, like, what were you thinking? Then, like, during the games, look, what what was, you know, all of a sudden it's not going your way. What are you thinking then? And now post-game, where, where's your mind at? So let's just walk through the whole scenario. <laughs> um, what was I feeling before the game? I mean, I was feeling – good based on recent practices and games like you know I like I think our culture is in a good place and felt like we've been talking a lot about different roles and how guys can win in their role like I want to I want to let guys play freely and then as we go through the season we're going to more clearly define that and that's kind of where we've been at um and so that was my feeling going in and then during the game I kind of felt helpless because what we usually do well, like we usually play defense really well. We, we really get after you on defense and cause some problems. And we didn't do that either of our games. Um, and then I think I alluded to like one of our best players on one of the teams just was a, was a no show. So what I did, you know, after what we had a shoot around this morning and you can give me feedback on what you think, but so the one kid who didn't do well, right. Me and him had about a 10-minute conversation this morning talking about just trying to get a gauge of where he was at. And, you know, we talked through some good things. What I also recognized, TJ, was that not at one time during the game did any of his teammates my, – my intuition was none of his teammates really pulled him up, really encouraged him, pulled him aside, maybe even challenged him and said, hey, yo, we – we need you. Like you need to be more aggressive. He like he was just not aggressive. So I pulled aside 
you know, four of our leaders this morning. And I asked him, I said, Hey, you know, I said, why do you think we struggled offensively? Right. So I asked them that question. They, none of them knew the answer I was looking for and not one of them at any point in the game talked to this particular player in any way encouraged. So then I said to myself, man, that's on me as a coach. I've obviously not done a good enough job coaching them on how to lead each other. Cause you know, peer pressure can be more powerful than coach pressure, especially the positive. So like teaching your players how to lead each other is critical, especially a better player. Right. So that's one. I'll stop there and see what you say. Well, I, you know, I think it's interesting when you look, I, I'm finding it harder and harder to get players to hold players accountable. I could be wrong. I, I, let me. Do you guys think that's getting harder? I'm just curious. I mean, and, and I'm not sure why. I'm, I'm just wondering if if you feel like you have to work harder for that than you used to get players to hold players accountable. Lisa, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like each player, each team has their own challenge with that. So sometimes they they do it in a way that's too nice so they want to be just encouraging some of them want to say it too sharp and too blunt and um and it's personalities too i think you can get a lot of people who are willing to talk and so you got a lot of talking going on but nobody's really connecting and so i i think it depends on how connected your team is and how vulnerable they've been with each other and do they really know each other and are they willing to do the work to say the things at the right time in the ways that they will be received and to then model it. So you'll be, you can hold somebody accountable more if you're willing to model it. I think that that's in some ways what I've seen is, well, if you're not modeling it, you can't do it. You can't say the the hard things. You can't go up to that person. And we were actually just listening to a video from Kobe about saying that, you know, it's not supposed to be kumbaya, but you're supposed to hold people accountable or be the leader. And I don't think everybody's, that's not for everybody. So I don't know, TJ, I, I guess my question is it because of the group, you know what I mean? You've never coached this group of individuals before, or is it really a a thing of the times? I'm not sure. Yeah, I I would be curious. I mean, we actually just watched a Kobe video with our team too that Sam had sent. And and I realized, I mean, it was actually Kobe and, and, uh, and Nick Saban, and like they're two pretty driven guys. And like when they talk, like, I feel like I resonate with everything they're saying. Like, that's how I feel. That's what I, that's what I, you know, that's because it's kind of how I'm wired. But I also realized as we went through some different videos with our team, like not everybody's wired the same way, you know, like we just went through a, you know, a little difficult conversation with our team. And it's like, there's a lot of personalities out there and a lot of people interpret and see things differently and coaching through the lens of the way you see things for me is getting a little harder. I think when you go back 30, 40 years, it was like, there was only one lens. Like you were just expected to do this, 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 you know, and over time things have definitely evolved and changed. And now there's a thousand ways to do it. And people have a lot of different feelings that go into that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's different. And it it was almost like there was only one way to do it 30 years ago. You know, like your expectation was the expectation and, and, and uh, everyone kind of had to do it that way. So I'm not saying it's bad. I just think it's different and we have to adjust to be able to help people, you know, through that. So Sam, as you were talking about like those different things, I would imagine it's hard for seventh and eighth graders to hold their peers accountable. Like, I think that, you know, you're worried about what people think about you. You're worried about like, um, I, I just think that's more prevalent 
and, you know, social media, like all of those different things. I just find that it's a little bit more difficult for players to hold players accountable. Um, a lot of times it's not often you come across that alpha Kobe who doesn't care what you think because you're don't get in the way of winning. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think, I think that's where the role of the coach becomes so important. And my, I would explain it this way. My message this morning to those guys I, that I was trying to encourage and coach into how to be better leaders was I need Lisa O'Mara. You got to lead and be your authentic self. TJ Rosine, you need to be, they don't need to be, you don't need to be Sam Allen and I need to be Sam. And so I, I, I invited them to step into their own way of leading. I went around in this circle of four and I told each of them how I perceived them to be their most authentic. One of the kids is very vocal, very positive, always encouraging. I said, I think you need to do that, but do it more specifically with this player I was talking about. I, said, I got another kid who's, some, who's our best player and he sometimes shows some fire and he'll speak up, but sometimes he's really quiet. And I said, I think when you show your passion and fire, your teammates feed off of it, but we might see it one game and not see it for three games. And I think you got to be more consistent. Then I went to the next guy and I said, I think the players respect you, but you're quiet. I think you need to sit. So I, I tried to encourage him. Now, that's the first part. Second part, I think, as a coach, what I'm going to do later this afternoon is I'm going to bring the whole team in and we're going to talk about how we can create a better environment so that a player feels comfortable holding their peer accountable. And I'll talk about how that's not a bad thing. That guy's not trying to be your daddy or be your coach. They're simply, we all have one goal and that's to win and that's to, to get better as a team. So I'm going to do my best later today in a team setting. I've had individual small group and I'm about to have a team where I, I, continue that conversation oh that's the way i approach it or i see it well so let me i know we're going down this rabbit hole a little bit but i think it's a it's a an important one because i mean i i think about this like you're trying to get seventh and eighth grade you know lisa's trying to get college girls i'm trying to get college guys to hold each other accountable to call each other up you know to you know we want we all want that we all want leaders like that but the funny thing is i was thinking about this the other day is like you know if each person was to take stock of their life. Like how many people do you have in your life that would do that for you? That would like one care enough to have the, the guts or love or whatever to tell you the truth about the thing. Like, I mean, you know, we're asking like 13, 14 players on a team to do that. Like, do you have 13 or 14 people in your life that you associate that would actually hold you to that level of accountability, their, whatever their authentic style is, it will say, listen, it's time to go to bed. You need to go home. You don't need to spend that money right there. You need to quit doing what, yeah. How many, like, and so to ask that of, of, of uh, like as close as we are to like family, friends, whatever, like I know there's family members that would avoid telling me things just to avoid conflict, even though they love me. You know what I mean? Um, I know that there's people I would be like, oh gosh, I know I need to tell them, but I don't want to rock the boat. And so that's a big ask. And I, that's one of the things that I'm discovering is like, to me, it felt like a no brainer. Like you just do it because you want to win. You just do it because you care about your teammate. And it was a no brainer to me, but I'm discovering it's not a no brainer for other young people to lead other young people. I think that's why you have to have 
that connection piece and do the relationship work. You know what I mean? And it's not everybody for everybody. It's not like 13 people are holding one person accountable. And so you got something goes wrong. Like I I think it is the relationship that I care so much and you know that I care. And so when I come to you or when I say something, we're all, we, there's an understanding and a trust built in. I think when you don't have that trust in your, in your group, then it feels like you're just being blamed for what's going wrong. You know, oh, you thought like your player, like, oh, it's my fault we lost because it feels like blame or pointing fingers instead of accountability. Because there's also the celebration part. Do you celebrate me when things are going right? Do you pick me up or when things are going well to challenge me to continue to get better? You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't just happen when adversity hits. You know, I think it's an all the time thing. Yeah. I mean, speaking to adversity, like we just, we, we, you know, we're in the middle of seven in a row and I was talking with Sam about this the other night. Like, you know, I called a team meeting after a practice because um, I think we're getting complacent in the way we work and the way we practice and whatever. Um, but we're winning and, you know, we're, we're, you know, whatever we are, we're 16 and four, we won seven in a row. Like we're going like, and I called this meeting. We do have a very transparent, um, you know, culture and we got into the meeting and it was really interesting. It got actually pretty heated. Like I, and I, and I wanted to rock the boat because I wanted to get us out of our complacency till we, so we could avoid a loss to get out of our, you know, before it's like that loss rocks our world. And then we're like, Oh gosh, you know, I'm like, Hey, look, let's just call a spade a spade. Let's get to this point. And, you know, um, and in that meeting, it was really good. Um, I think it's a good learning for like coaches. Like I had to decipher what was good for me to take and what I needed to grow from. And what was also like, nah, maybe not like, uh, because uh, we went back and forth. We talked to players about what they need to do. Players also came back at us as coaches because we have an environment where we, we have these open conversations and they're like, well, specifically to me, coach, you need to make more deposits. Like you're, you're being just hard all the time. You need to make more deposits and whatever. And I was like, it shook me a little bit in the sense that it's like, I mean, I, I never un, like undress a player. Like I've never embarrassed somebody or call them out. Like I'm always respectful. I don't, I don't, um, I really don't even get that mad. I just have a high level of intensity and expectation. I set the standard really high and, but they're, they're also right. Like I'm not always searching for everything going right. Like I'm just, I'm trying to push. And, and if they get to where we're trying to push them to, I raise the bar and so it does seem like everything for me is probably not good enough a lot. So I understand like where they're coming from. Like you need to make some more deposits and tell us we did good and we got to that place, but I don't want us to get comfortable. Right. And so I'm always pushing and, and driving. And really the players that have been here a long time don't have that problem with me because our relationship is deeper, you know, and they get it. They know that off the court, like things are different and, and whatever. And there's some of the new players, like, I don't have that relationship. So I'm probably not making enough deposit. And that's, that's good. That's real. I, I hear that. I accept that. And as a staff, we were like, we need to do a better job of that. Um, but then the other part of it, I heard a little bit too, is like, relax a little bit, coach, you know, chill, like it's good. You know what I mean? And, and then, and then after I paused on that one for a little while, I was like, nah, that I can't do that. Like, that's not authentic to me. Like I don't press pause. Like I'm, ra- I'm raising the bar, and like they might not like it right now, but I also talked to players from five, ten, fifteen years ago. Like coach, that standard you held helped me to do X, Y, and Z. And so then I was like that. And so I had, so as a coach, I'm getting that information. I got to realize, 
you got to have enough self-awareness to know, like, I'm not perfect. I got a learning and I want players to hold me accountable. I want players to tell me where I need to get better. Right. Um, at the same time, you got to be comfortable enough in what you're doing to know that, like, I've been doing this for a amount of time. It, they're younger. They don't understand all of the things that it takes to be who they want to be or how it could pay off in their life. Board. And some of it, I got to be like, ah, I got to let that go off my back. And that can't, that's not it. I, I know this to be true and I got to hold that standard. So that's something I'm dealing through, you know, as well. And, and, and I told them the same thing we just talked about. I want players to hold players accountable. And that's where we started talking about that a little bit. And I recognize it's not quite as easy as you think it is. For some of those players, they don't have some, you know, even though we're always together, like they all like each other, but it's different than, you know, if, if I just like somebody, I don't go tell them the truth all the time. You know what I mean? Now, if I really love somebody, then I want to save them from things or help them things I do tell them. And so, I, you know, we're trying to build love bonds rather than just like bonds so that they were willing to do that. But it takes a lot of work to build love bonds. Yeah, that's well said. And I, I think, too, it's pretty common. It's pretty common for coaches to say player-led teams are better than coach-led teams. And and what most coaches are saying there is true, but they're also saying – y'all tell me if you disagree. They're saying that in a moment where they want more leadership, correct? And they want to pass the buck on to the player. They want to empower the player, but they really want to, in some ways, pass it on to them and remove them as the problem. The coach is a problem. That could be true. Well – you got to teach players how to lead. Like everything we that has been said at this point is essentially talking about how to teach players to lead themselves better and lead each other better. And human dynamics are dynamic. Relationships are dynamic. And even TJ, to your last point, when you love somebody, it all like I love Sarah to death, but I don't walk around dropping truth bombs every single moment either. That <laughs> we'd have problems at all times. So, like, there's a dose of truth. It doesn't mean we're dishonest. Let me be really clear. I'm not lying to Sarah, but we're not just walking around like that liar, liar Jim Carrey movie where you just say what it's an unfiltered thought either. So, it's just, it's, I'm saying a lot to say it's really dynamic. And that's where the soft skills of, as a coach, like, I want to continue to improve my ability to have the, those soft skills to work through things like this. Yeah. And one of the things I think is important for coaches to take from this, uh, two things that I'm thinking of, and I'd like for y'all to give your thoughts on this. One is um, it, I, we understand why it's easier to be transactional than transformational. There's so many days I just wish I was a transactional coach. I wouldn't care what anybody thinks. I wouldn't care about the players. Develop. I would just go out there and coach basketball and would eliminate about 90% of my worry, you know, because like, it's just like, that's what I think about when it's, it's easy to be transactional. I, and I understand why people go to that place, but you know, I think there's just a lot of value in being in transformational is, is why you're doing it. it makes a big difference if you care about those things, but it's way harder to care about those things when you're, when you really want to make an impact, your deep level of care, they hurt more. There's more pain. There's more tough conversations. There's more like all of that stuff um, becomes, you know, a, a big reality and becomes, I mean, a time suck, energy suck. It just becomes a lot of things when you go that route um, to try and be transformational and get that. And the second thing is this, is like, I would say that most coaches problems as we deal with coaches all the time, work with them, they share things with us. Like most coaches problems don't necessarily come from the game of basketball. 
a lot. Like what, what is really bothering most coaches is this, you know, like most coaches aren't like, I'm so mad. I can't find the right inbounds play. I'm so mad. I can't, you know what I mean? They're, they're really, that's not really what their problem is. I'm so, and I'm sometimes like they're players. I'm so mad that they're not good enough, but really like that's a player development problem. Like you can develop players and you, but there's only a certain ceiling to every player. Most of the things that really drive coaches crazy have to do with like being the psychologist developing the mind, the leadership, the culture, like that's where most coaches really kind of get off their rocker when they think about leaving, when they're so frustrated, when they can't wait for the season to be over, when they can't, it's not like, it's, it's not typically, I can't wait for the season to be over. We can't make any shots. I mean, if you love your team and everyone's on the same page and you're working hard and you're just not making shots, like coaches are like, man, I wish this group could make some shots. They're such good people. There's yeah. Thoughts on that? Like, I, I really think when you boil it down to it, like most coaches, frustration comes from things that aren't actually directly basketball related. Yeah, I think it's what we've talked about before about how uh, you just want your team to achieve their potential, you know? And so you feel like if you're underachieving, you're disappointed or you're frustrated. And like, let's be real, I think it's really hard to meet your expectations because coaches want to win. And so wherever your team's at, I was thinking about with, with your team, Sam, like maybe, maybe, yes, you want to win. And yes, you could have done things better. or Yes, you could have anticipated this or, you know, taught them how to lead earlier, but it's just where you're at. You know, like this has come up because it, part of this team's journey is, okay, here's a pain point, And we know that we, we're not in a place where we're showing up every single day aggressive and working hard and competing and holding each other accountable, like all these things. It's just, it's their turn to learn it right now, you know? And so, I don't know, I think I, I'm, I coach a little fifth grade team too, and I, I know there's things that aren't going to be in and that we're going to lose and we're going to have this issue and that issue. And it's like, you're just building one layer at a time. And some of these things I've learned through coaching is that there's, there's lessons that sometimes the players just have to go through that they have to know what it's like to like TJ, what you were saying, having the standard high every single day and not being complacent. You get to a certain amount of wins and you start letting go and then you have to lose that one because they don't know what it's like until they really feel it. And as a coach, you've, you've kind of tried to relay that message and it's not always fully heard. Until they and so a lot of teams don't have enough veterans on their team to know this. Like that's where I think leadership, the seniors or the juniors, are able to pass along to other people. So it depends on what they've been through. Again, there's just so many factors, but um, it's a long season, so it's just we're going to learn something along the way. That's why I think we're um, like what you said, TJ, with your question. Most most of our problems are in this realm. It's not just making a practice plan or um, winning or losing. It's how we're doing it how we're going about it and how we're getting um, the group to achieve their potential. So TJ, the other, and Lisa, you just mentioned the complacency thing, TJ. So actually we talked with our older group yesterday after the game about that two of the last four games, the other team has come out and like yesterday we got down nine Oh, this team has won a lot, like, and they've developed a reputation around the Metro Atlanta area as being a team that's going to come in and compete and get after it. And we, you know, won a championship last year. And so, you know, how that is like teams are gunning for you. 
And so we're down 9-0. We call a timeout. Their coaches and team is celebrating like they just won the game. Like it's a big deal. And my point in telling – like so my, my message to the guys was we've won a lot and you've earned that. That's the reputation. But it's a lot harder – uh, on top of the mountain than it is to climb the mountain. And so you got to stay in, in the right mindset of aggressive or like what I heard Kirby Smart talk about after they won the national championship. He said, like, we're not going to be hunted. We're going to be the hunter. And so that's a mindset. Now, are there things strategically that we could do? I think so. But we already do those things kind of built in for that aggressive nature. But that's another thing we were dealing with is like this complacency. Like we think we're going to walk out there and because we win, we're just going to win at some point. But we've built deficits in two of these four games. We end up losing when we win the last three quarters, but we we buried ourselves in the first quarter. Yeah. And this is listen, I, I got one final point, And I think it's a really important one is like most of the time, high majority of the time the issues that we're trying to deal with and fix are either a head problem or a heart problem. You know, like I I think about like this, if your players just aren't good enough, are you really that upset? Like just go in, just go in the gym and do skill development every day. Like if they're just not good enough and you're going to get beat 30 or 40 by the way that they, that the, the skill, the talent gap or whatever, just go in practice and work every day and help them to get better as players, because you're not going to X his nose your way out of 40 points, 30 points, you know? And then, you know, if you feel like, you know, our, our talent level is close, moderate, better or whatever, then I think most of the time what you're trying to do is either catch up or stay ahead by managing, fixing or growing the heart or the head. So for instance, like Sam goes there and they're like, they're down nine Oh, and they're, they're, they're like, what? I mean, is that, was that a basketball problem or was it like, Hey, no, it was more of a head problem. Like maybe we're a little comfortable. The other team's gunning for us. Like it's really a mental thing that you're trying to fix, right? You know, we come out and, you know, a couple of players aren't ready to go and they're not locked in. It's like, is that a basketball thing? Is all of a sudden you need to go shoot more shots or is it like a head or heart thing, right? Or, um, you know, I was talking about with our team, like getting to that level of like, no, nah, we're fixing a few heart problems, head problems. Like you, you're you're trying to and, – and I think that that's where – there's separation in coaching for a lot of people is because, you know, it, whatever level you're at, it doesn't matter. I mean, whether it's eighth grade or high school or, or college or whatever, like most people in your profession kind of know what they're talking about at that level. I mean, I haven't met many college coaches that don't know how to coach basketball, right? They don't know how to run some plays and run, like develop some players like that. Yeah. So where is their separation? You know I mean? Same thing in, in eighth grade, you know, players, you go out there, like, you know, maybe a different level of coaching, but you're going to come across some coaches that know how to put players in good situations, know how to put them, whatever, like, is, are you, you know, develop players, whatever it might be. Some are going to have better players than other players. I, I just really think that the, the heart and head issue and problem is such a big thing that in coaching to get separation and it's important for the success of that team that year and their growth overall. And I just think, think sometimes we acknowledge that we think we'll, we'll fix things just by shooting the ball better, or we'll fix things by just playing a little bit better defense, or we'll fix things. By, and I just don't think that's the case nearly as often as as, as we think it is. So don't you? I mean, that's a good way of breaking it down. I, I agree with you. A harder head problem. And then when you think about when you think about great basketball coaches. Um, 
whether you think of a Pat Summit, Gina, like I'm thinking of national championship college coaches, Popovich, Pat Riley, Coach K. What what do you think about? Do you think about their signature offense or signature defense? No. What do you, what what come like? Let's just play this game. When you hear Coach K, what comes to your mind? You two. Probably leadership. Yeah, leadership. I would go with a st- the highest level of a standard. I think that's a big one. Yeah. Okay. Leadership standard mindset. When you think of Popovich, what do you think of? Connector. Yeah. Yeah. Connect. Um, I think about uh, being able to put people in roles. Um, yeah. I think yeah, that kind of stuff. When you think of um, Pat Summit, what comes to your mind? <laughs> mine were, uh, mine, mine was for everybody. Oh, the, you're saying standard across the board for everybody named. Yeah. I, yeah. And Pat Summit, same. I mean, like high standard, high accountability. Yeah. Like like a Don Staley, she's like the, these really high standards, right? My point is like that's recognized that several years ago. It's like when you when you study great coaches, that's usually what you're. Yeah, do they have X's and O's? I'm sure they do. I mean, um, Bobby Knight was known for the motion offense, but he's also known for teaching grit and all that before all the other stuff started. But yeah, I think you're right. Th- those two things, TJ. But, well, let me ask this question. So, as we're, I know we're getting close to the end, but like heart set and and, and um, mindset, I agree. Along with that, there are strategic things that you can tweak and do that help put your players and team in a better position on a stretch run. And those are things I'm thinking about as well. And one of the messages I've said, and I believe this, and you tell me what y'all think, is like each player can improve 2 or 3% down the home stretch. Well, if 10 players get 2 or 3% better, we as a team can get 20 to 30% better. Do you all think of it that way as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think coaching basketball, I, I think you're responsible for being good at your craft and helping players become better. I think you're responsible for trying to put players in the best situations to be successful for the course of the team. Like, I, I don't I – don't, not like those things. I actually love those things. I love putting the puzzle together. I love trying to figure out how people get, I love to figure out how to level up. I do think it's important to not stop growing and developing players throughout the season. All those things are, are super important and we're not minimizing those. I mean, you know, you can't go in there and just be the love doctor and, you know, get to the heart of everything and not be able to coach basketball. They're not going to listen to you. You know what I mean? Like you got to be able to do that. So it's, it's, it's all, it's just, sometimes we, misread misdiagnose situation and sometimes we just go to what we care about the most which maybe let me think of another play that's going to fix this and it might not be the root of the problem and sometimes it is i mean like you know um maybe you need to change your pickup point in the beginning of the game sam maybe y'all are picking up at the three-point line they're starting passive maybe you need to pick them up at at half court and set the tone defensively or like there's there's solutions on the basketball side as well well we pick them up when they get off the bus um so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I do I do think like I think of it too like this, TJ, I know you don't watch a lot of NBA. Um, but like, you know, I'm a I'm an Atlanta fan, like all things like Hawks, Falcons, Braves, right? And the Hawks are horrible on defense. Okay. Track with me for a second. They're horrible on defense. 
there is only one other team in the NBA that allows more shots at the rim than the Hawks, and it's the Pacers. Okay, but the Pacers actually guard the three. They just stay home on shooters, and so they allow they allow a lot of drive at the rim. But the Hawks are horrible. So my question to you guys would be like that situation. Quinn Snyder is obviously a, an incredibly smart basketball coach. Is that a heart, a head issue, or a strategy issue? Or is it like the reason they allow so much at the rim and they give up three – like? Is it they just don't care or they have bad strategy or all of it? I know y'all don't necessarily know that answer. Yeah, I mean, no, I've watched the Hawks some, too. And, like, I, I t- typically default to this. I mean, I'm giving the NBA guys benefit of the doubt. They watch enough film. They dive deep enough into their team. They go through it that, like, they're probably trying different solutions. I doubt it's a systems and strategy thing. It, that's that's where I that's where I lean. I, I really you know, and knowing the Hawks and watch them, I just think it's two things. I think it's a personnel thing. I think you know they're smaller at the guards. They're not as physical at the guards. They're not whatever. And those guards who are smaller and not as physical, and whatever, don't seem to exude a lot of care on the defensive end. So that's a recipe for disaster. You know, as I watch it unfold, that's what I think. It's a little bit of, you know, personnel, but also you know, there's there's guys that are small in the league that have overcome that. There's guys that aren't huge, you know, size wise that have overcome that, but our guys aren't overcoming that. And so I think it's the, those two factors to me. Yeah, I would say there's so coaches get a lot of criticism at times for things their team isn't doing. And it's, you end up, if you, somebody knew what's going on behind the scenes, it's, it's not actually what you're doing. It's how you're doing it, or it's, it's a personnel thing, or it's a trying to get everybody to grow in a certain area. And so it might not be that on the outside, it looks like a certain strategy. Um, I don't know. just, it's actually a really funny question. Like, why are you guys doing this? And you're like, we're not trying to do that. We're actually working on this. And here's three reasons why, you know, like you said, TJ, the film, um, and the analyzation might've told you to do it a different way. So it's just kind of a, it's hard to tell from the outside. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I mean, I, I think probably, you know, as coaches, it's important to spend as little time as possible judging other coaches and their situations because, like, we've all got a why to why we do what we do, you know, and not everybody understands that. But most coaches spend a lot of time in their craft trying to do it the best they possibly can. And, you know, they, they don't understand. And I think a lot of times coaches assume that, like, they're the only one with those issues. Everybody's dealing with players that are complacent, players that don't want to hold people accountable, players that don't want to raise the bar. They're also dealing with their own issues and their own coaching style. They're also dealing with system. Like, yeah, and I think most coaches do the best with what they know. I mean, we've said that before. Like, if you could treat young people with doing the best with what they know, they're trying to do that. We've got to teach them better. And I think the same is for coaches. I mean, like, I think most coaches are doing the best with what they know, and they probably have some reasons for what they do. And I'm always, I'm always curious to ask coaches, why do you do that? And because uh, everyone has a different place they come from, a different way of thinking. So, hey, look, I know this episode is a little bit longer than uh, normal. We had a lot of things to talk about, um, a lot of issues, a lot of problems. And we only scratched the surface of all the problems we got going on. We got tons of problems, um, just like every other team in America. Everybody's dealing with them, no matter um, whether you're at uh, the NBA, college, high school, youth. They're all battling similar things. And I just encourage them. The, the battle is worth it, I think, a lot of times when you're helping young people grow. And it also those things are going to make you better as a coach if you approach them right. 
don't play the blame game, you know, be a fixer, find a way, find a way to uh, figure out how you can be a part of the solution. So appreciate you listening. We'd love to hear for, about you from your problems. What's going on with your team? What are the things you're struggling with? Can you relate to some of the things that we're going through? I'd love to hear from you at hardwood underscore hustle. She is Lisa. He is Sam. I am TJ. We are the hardwood hustle. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the hardwood hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. We also want to make sure you know about our coaching resources and freebies available to you at pgchustle.com. We have a workshop, a Reading React masterclass, and effective practice planning tips to help you enhance your coaching. Get started at pgchustle.com. From the Hardwood Hustle team, thanks again. We can't wait to be with you again next week.